Hello and welcome to episode 33 of Linux After Dark. I'm Joe. I'm Chris. I'm Gary. And I'm Dalton. Welcome back, chaps. So today I want to talk about Raspberry Pis. Now, there was a recent incident on social media where there was a bit of a PR snafu that the Raspberry Pi Foundation made. Now, we're not going to make too big a thing of that and get into the details of it, and definitely not the uh, follow-up a couple of days later where they suddenly said they were going to release more stock to the hobbyists. That was definitely not a smokescreen or anything or cynical PR exercise. We wouldn't dare accuse them of that. But in our little private Telegram group thing, we got talking about this. And Chris, you made the point that people can't really get pies, but that doesn't matter because most people trying to buy them would probably be better off with a different machine anyway. Yeah, that's it. I wanted to get one to try and use as a router quite a while ago when the beginning of the stock shortages happened. And I got a thin client and quite often on kind of subreddits that deal with this kind of stuff, um, Home Lab, even the Raspberry Pi subreddit, none of these are official Raspberry Pi kind of communication platforms though. There's a post quite often now, what should I get instead? Or I can't get one or don't bother getting one. And people keep coming back to these thin clients. And I think because it's the price point, that's the the difficulty, which they're a victim of stock shortages, of course, but you can pick up these thin clients that have superior specifications and an x86 architecture for like 30, 40 quid. You know, you've got an ethernet port, lots of USB 3. Some of them have EMMC, which yeah, it's not great, but the Pi doesn't have that unless you get the compute modules, which is a different type of product really unless you need the GPIO pins, there's a lot of other options now that you can't buy the board for anywhere from £10, if you're talking about the zeros that they were, up to 35 45 60 quid. So increasingly people, even Ars Technica had an article recently, which was, you can't get a Raspberry Pi, buy a thin client instead. So it, it's very much a sentiment that... They offer a lot. A lot of them have replaceable storage, upgradable RAM. They don't use a lot of power. And the processing power you get for them is quite powerful. And they're just a viable option at the moment. Why have people not said, get a banana pie or an orange pie or some other fruit-based pie ripoff, though? Support, isn't it? And community, I think, you know, not to disparage them completely. Because, yeah, like the OpenWRT forums people are talking about these other boards now but there has to be a bring up and there has to be a community effort or the manufacturer seeding the effort and quite often that's been the thing that's lacking and what's weird about the raspberry pi is i was looking back ahead of this conversation at the first press releases for the first pi and various interviews with eben upton and at first when they came out with the product they were saying you know, this is very much an educational product because we're not seeing enough applicants for computer science at Cambridge. We want more. We feel like we want to reinvigorate the spirit of the 1980s and the BBC Micro and all sorts of platforms like that. This is an affordable option that's going to try and encourage that. Now, that was 2012. Where have we ended up in 2022? I think we're in a slightly different place. It's not like there's no education stuff that happens, but the hobbyist market and the community is one thing, but the industrial thing, I personally think they didn't think it would be as big as that back in 2012. And it's become a big thing and it's become a big revenue source that can go back into the foundation and all sorts of things like that. But 
there just isn't anything else that's like that, like the banana pies or pick your fruit that has that weight of community effort and support behind it. Yeah, I mean, I think the ones that have come closest to some of the Pine 64 boards, but even they're not anywhere near as popular as the Pi, and they've got nowhere near as many images as the Pi. I think those are most popular in our circles. Yeah, I agree. I think they're most popular among people who like to mess with computers, and they're they're still nowhere near as popular as the Pi. Whether that's because they are designed for people like us, or whether it's something else, I don't know. I think it's more like the design of the software and the point where it gets to follows the people who are in the community. So for Pine64, it's a lot of very technical people. The usability of the software usually doesn't get very far. It's a, another question that came up, I think, in the chat was, is it even for us? And again, I was looking back to the, the kind of early weeks of the pie. You had the press releases, we're launching a product and interviews with Evan Upton, who are you? Oh, you know, I, I'm sort of working with Broadcom. I have access to this kind of SOC that I can put onto a board, but it's also an educational bent. But they were so wildly popular. They sold loads. And I remember still lots of friends who are sort of into computers a bit, but definitely not into Linux, buying them and flashing an SD card and asking me for support, people that wouldn't normally do that, to get something going once the projects like OpenELEC at the time that's now become Libre-Elec started to take off. And there has been like a real community, but is it for us? Like that, I think you said that, Gary, we have adopted it and hobbyists love it and there are lots of projects around it, but it's a weird one. I feel like that needs to be there for the success of the board, but it's not like they said, we need this. The Verge did a very long interview with Eben Upton where they asked him about this, about the community that's around it. And he does say some stuff that it's very important. You know, he was a big fan of XBMC, which is now Cody. And to this day, they, he says they're still working on support. So they want it to work well with hardware accelerated video playback in that piece of software, for example, that's still something that is important to them. Even though some people are boxing up the board as a product and making a profit just literally by putting that onto it and reselling it at a markup. Well, yeah, you're not exactly going to get hardware acceleration off these thin clients, are you? You can't use that as a media box plugged into your telly. No. And this is that's one of the strong points, you see, because you can get download builds for x86, you know, a generic x86 image that you would burn to the storage of a thin client. But that's the advantage of having a reference piece of hardware. So the Libre Elect project, for example, when people raise a bug on the Raspberry Pi, pick your number, this happens. Lots of the developers and the community have that exact board with that exact makeup of components. So the work has pushed that forward where often, you know, I flash Libre on a Chromebox, for example, and it's got a Celeron. It only has video decoding in CPU. So it can do H.264 at 1080p. But once you get to H.265, it just stutters because it doesn't have that there. Whereas each iteration of the Pi, especially the Pi 4, has got H.265 hardware accelerated video decoding. Yeah, because I tried Libre-Elec on a 9600K i5 machine, and it didn't have the hardware acceleration and was stuttering at anything more than 1080p, basically, which I was quite surprised at. 
Yeah, it's been that way for a while. That one of my favorite threads, which sadly was locked in 2020 on the Cody forums, is which box do I pick? And there's a little box out that says, hang on, hang on, lots of these things you're recommending are things like Raspberry Pis or those Android TV boxes you see with like an Amlogic SOC on. Why is that not as good as my desktop processor? And they just say, it's just the way that it is. The, the, the focus of these devices is they are built and designed to play back video with hardware acceleration. And so they win even though they would look incredibly underpowered and quite cheap at first glance. They, there is that work that's gone in, especially when you're talking about running Linux. I found that Libre-Elec improves things when you run it on an x86 machine. But if you're running Kodi in a desktop distribution of Linux, you'll often struggle to get acceptable performance, especially once you start ramping up the bit rates and the video codecs. That seems really weird because certainly all desktop class processors from Intel in the past seven years have quicksync yeah so they should be able to do h264 and newest ones h265 and if you have one of those big beefy arc gpus av1 apparently yeah so it's weird that the gemini lake is the generation where that started to get better again but there was this period all the way from haswell up until gemini lake where yeah you could just load up a video and it would be choppy even if your cpu was very good because i just think that laser-like focus of the hardware decoding on things like the pi that's backed by the community i just don't think it was quite there as much because the focus potentially is a bit more scattershot so gary you must have raspberry Pis, but i don't think you're using them for anything are you in production no, I used to use a Pi 4 as my primary home server, but have since moved on to something x86-based, primarily because of software support. I found that a lot of the software I needed to use just wasn't compiled for ARM. I found myself you know, recompiling and building stuff to run it on the Pi. It was just a little bit of a nightmare. like It wasn't quite there, so I moved back to an x86 box. So I've got a Pi 4 in a case that allows you to put an M.2 SSD underneath it, so it's just sitting on a shelf with a 512 gig SSD attached to the bottom of it. Got a couple of Pi 3s in drawers. In fact, I gave one of them away this week for someone to run a Unify controller on. Had a couple of Pi Zeros that I did various projects with, but they ended up just not quite being stable enough for what I needed. So, yeah, like I've played with them variously, ran one as a home server for a couple of years, but I just don't think they've ever quite been there. I can't remember who it was who told me don't bother with loads of Raspberry Pis. Just virtualize and containerize everything on one beefy x86 box. Not even necessarily a beefy x86 box. Like the machine that I initially replaced my Pi with was a Dell Optiplex micro thing. And I think Chris has got a couple of the HP equivalent of them. Mm-hmm. And that was like a fourth gen i3, uh, put 16 gigs of RAM in it. And that was more than enough to run several containers couple of vms with various bits and pieces in for testing workstation i could remote into while i was traveling in a vm on it and it was it was more than beefy enough to do that stuff with not that much of a bigger power usage than the pi that thing you know, with the c states and stuff working properly could idle at around 20 watts which is significantly more and does add up but ultimately it was probably worth it for like you say the software support 
and was capable of doing everything you needed to do in one machine rather than having to deal with SD cards and dodgy USB booting and just the nightmare that is ARM. Yeah, I mean, that's fundamentally the thing. I'd have ended up with four or five Pis to run the same tasks. I'd have still not had the same software support. And you would have used more power. Yeah, I'd have used more power with the four or five Pis I've needed, and that thing could run proper SATA and NVMe storage inside it. Say, I had two terabytes of solid-state storage in, which was just a pipe dream on the Pi over anything apart from USB. Yeah, I think that's the difficulty. I think until the Pi 4 especially... You could build a NAS out of a Raspberry Pi, but you'd be looking at a shared bus for the Ethernet port and USB for the storage. And one of the things in this Virgin interview that Eben Upton says is, had the pandemic not come and the component shortage, they would have been looking to get stuff like EMMC and maybe iterate a bit more rapidly. And they just haven't been able to do that because to give them their fair shot, I know they've had a bit of a bumpy period in this last week or so, but... It is a real thing. They they haven't been able to build the boards quickly enough. And like I say, I, I feel like they've ended up in a surprise position when it comes to the industrial application, where when they make a huge batch, they want to keep those partners going because they put the money back into the educational foundation. But also, it's a success story, as it were. You don't want to lose those people because... Yeah, okay, if you distribute the boards to individuals, you make them happier for a little while, but you do that enough times, you you lose those large customers. They'll start using something else for the embedded circuitry. Yeah, it comes down to B2C versus B2B. Mm. Business bullshit alert. But uh, yeah, business to customer selling to hobbyists is never going to look as good on balance sheets and, and everything as business to business sales. That's the difficulty for me. I feel like there must be lots of software projects that have built on the back of that kind of wave of excitement and community and support that then feed back in and get built into what industry are building on. So everything is interlinked. It's kind of a living, breathing organism. And if you lose track of that, it's very easy to say, oh, People are just pissing and moaning on Reddit because they can't get a Raspberry Pi to build like a media server or retro gaming. But I personally, I don't think it's just quite that easy to say. I think that stuff is important to build like a wave of excitement and desire to build projects and keep things going. And as you said, Joe, bringing up the other boards, they just don't have that. And I think that's part of the success. So I just hope that they don't take their eye off the ball too much when it comes to that. I mean, in the Pi's defense, I don't want this to be, become like the Raspberry Pi is dead and finished. If you're doing stuff with the GPIO, or I've got a little Pi Zero 2W or W2, whichever way around it is. And one of the things that's great about it is the Bluetooth is incredible. So I sit it in the middle of my house, which is quite large, and I've got temperature and humidity sensors at the far corners of the house, and it collects via Bluetooth low energy. And it's a really effective device for doing that and then bouncing it on to all of my metrics and recording. And there's not that many other devices, unless you start putting dongles on extension cords and start messing around. That kind of thing, it's very impressive for, but I just feel like, especially because it's been so expensive, if you're not using the specific features of the hardware, 
you're going to start turning away, I think. Right, well, we'd better get out of here then. Do let us know your thoughts about the Raspberry Pi and alternatives. You can email us, show at linuxafterdark.net. We'll be back in two weeks, but until then, I've been Joe. I've been Chris. I've been Gary. And I've been Dalton. See you later.